This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. All right. Welcome in, everyone, here to the Get After It Podcast. I'm stoked uh, to announce... Uh, my guest today is Miss, the one and only Miss Kate McKay. And if you may be familiar with her, uh, because she's already been featured on our podcast, we actually had her on uh, in our live discussion call with the group of young professionals that we have uh, that's been running every week for the last couple months. And uh, Kate had such knowledgeable insight, and, and there's just amazing things. I've had the chance to work with her on a couple projects, and um, I, I can't say enough about her. I'm really excited to be able to dive a little deeper on her background and really explore some creative areas with, with her. She's known as the master motivator. Uh, she proves every day that prosperity and success really comes in, I guess, just many different forms. And uh, she's a transformational speaker, coach, a fitness guru. She's launching her book or relaunching um, Living Sexy Fit. And uh, in addition to all these things, she's a coach, a fitness guru, uh, an entrepreneur, international best-selling author, I believe three times over, um, multi-million dollar business owner, um, look, her passion spreads through her message. You guys are going to love this. And it, 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 let's just bring her in. Kate, so excited to have you here on the Get After a Podcast. I'm so excited to be here, Aaron. I love you so much. Hey. I had the funnest time, Aaron, introducing you because I interviewed you for my podcast. And I'm like, what can I say? I love this guy. It was so easy to, to, uh, to pitch you and love on you. So thank and, you so much for having me here. And I want to say this, first of all, too, because we had – you came on as our first uh, guest uh, for the group that we did, the live group. And, and it was so funny because the group, you know, I had no idea how this was all going to uh, shake out. It was so funny. I remember like the first week, like a week before yours and like just trying to set up that whole group. It was like, how on earth am I actually going to bring a lot of value and get these guests on and book? Cause I already had a couple really, you know, yourself and I had our next, we had some good name speakers coming on. But you really set the tone in terms of really just over-delivering, I think, what people were expecting from these group calls. And it was just, it was so cool. And to have you back on now, I know for that group, you offered free breakthrough calls to everybody on the group. And I think, like, more than half of the group took you Oh, Aaron, like, I couldn't believe it. Usually when I offer that to people, I get, like, a handful. But literally, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, and it was literally has been just the last six weeks. I have grown with these people. Yeah. Um, young people, because listen, this is the bottom line. People my age lack enthusiasm in general, right? Mm. So I feel like I am your age group as far as my energy and I am inspired. <laughs> no, legit. So I am inspired by you guys because you guys are teaching me and I'm here to guide and to maybe provide some insight. But truly the reason why I am here on this planet, two feet on here is to help you guys lift and succeed because yeah. like, what else is there? There's nothing more important to me than that for sure. So if you want to hear, if you want to potentially talk to K one-on-one, listen, make sure you listen to the whole podcast. We're going to have something near the end that I think everyone's going to like who's listening to this. I want to dive in though. Um, we've had a chance to work together a little bit, but I'm, I want you to actually take me back because one thing I always get this question and I'm curious what your answer is on it. I actually think you may have asked me this on your podcast I always get the question of how do you bring so much energy and not to give myself a freaking you know, plug here, but no, but seriously, I get the question of how do you bring so much positivity and energy to a situation? 
you're the exact same human. I know you get this question. Why do you think that question gets asked so much? I, obviously, it's because of the energy that radiates from you. And what's your answer to that? Because mine has always been, it just seems like, you know, what's, you, 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 you know, the world is a perspective and you choose to see it the way you want to. And you can either see things as setbacks and challenges or you can see them as opportunities and, 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 uh, and ways to move forward. And I just try to choose to see it that way. And that's, I guess, why I'm naturally so optimistic. I'm not, I'm not, a, not delusional. I'm a realist, but I'm also optimistic. I'm curious for you, though. Why is it that you have so much energy and optimism about what's going on? So listen, this is the bottom line with that, is that I understand that there's challenges. And as you know, I've had some serious blows in my life. I've had some really significant trauma with the loss of both my brother and my son, tragically. Um, and so the bottom line in all of it is that, why are we here? <laughs> you know, you got to think about that. Why are we here? Am I going to, or are you listeners and viewers here to slog through life? Or are you here to inspire and encourage others? And I just happen to be born with a lot of infused enthusiasm, but I believe confidence enthusiasm can be learned if we do the work that's required. And that includes particularly healing the suffering that you have been born into. They, we are all born into trauma. So your job is to heal that because if you can heal yourself, your life is going to be, uh, it's going to open so worldwide in such a different way. It will blow your mind. And then always come with the growth mindset. How do you want to look and feel? Like, listen, when I'm interviewing, many of them are young men, um, you're young entrepreneurs. And I'll often ask, well, how does that feel? And they're like, mm, well, it feels like you guys are completely enthusiastic and understand that if you don't imprint the feeling experience, you are not going to go all the way with it. And so many people are afraid to feel that big. What are they afraid of? Judgment, right? Failure. Let me tell you, number one thing, fear of success. Mm, fear of success is a biggie. Can, can, okay, let, let's hit on that one because I've thought about this and I go back to um, I've gotten the most out of my life when I've been up against the wall, don't know if you're going to do something. And the amazing thing, I, I got into this book, uh, Radical Focus, I stole from my roommate. Uh, and, and, and it talks about, it's, it actually gives a huge overline on, key, on, on uh, excuse me, uh, objectives and key results and how you're actually setting goals. And one of the things I've, I've, I've just thought about is really like, we are not setting goals that not only aren't high enough, but they don't actually uh, get to what, what, our, what our purpose is. And I, I think one of the things that, I think when people are trying to find their purpose, a lot of people turn to travel, they'll tell you, oh, go do a bunch of different jobs. I think the reality is for, for most of us though, when you're, especially for, we have a young audience, entrepreneurs, young professionals, the, the reality is your, your main purpose, the first fiduciary purpose that you have is to leave the next generation in a better opportunity than you did coming into this world, right? You, are, you have been past this baton of all the sacrifices that have been made for generations. Now you have your opportunity to grow, um, but we often stagnate ourselves because we don't give ourselves permission to set the goals that we need and to pursue them. Why is that? Why do we undercut ourselves when it comes to our goals and our actions? And why is it that we can't, like for the person who's listening right now, who maybe they've been binge listening to some podcast episodes, which I love as long as they're listening to the Get After podcast, but, but let's be real. One of the reasons I did the Get After podcast was because 
you don't need to spend people aren't getting after it yes you don't (laughs) all right so people and 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 so you know what you know honestly you and i we've done the strength finder we know it fuels us we're really clear so if people have to get number one you got to get clear on what fires you up and motivates you so again we go back young listeners what pisses you off what keeps you up at night answer those questions what lights you up if you don't have a clear-cut answer for that your obligation is to figure that shit out you have an obligation to yourself whatever your spiritual calling is whatever your practice is however you commune to a greater spirit it, it's within you right you have an obligation it has to be that freaking clear if you don't know what pisses you off or fires you up start there you know because that like literally that's why i say focus on that emotional experience because emotion creates action you know emotion creates motion as tony robbins will say and so you know we can get intellectually caught up in our head guess what this is it's a freaking monkey mind what's going to derail you more than anything this what happens to people they park they go along a certain way and they go and they pull off in the parking lot and they're hanging out with their buddies because guess what success is lonely at the top and i don't mean that in like oh my god but i'm saying your journey what's imprinted in you when you were birthed is unique and different than anybody else so oftentimes what we have to do is we have to leave situations behind in order to move into our own greatness is it ego hell no it isn't it's your purpose. Your purpose is what's going to fire and fuel you. It will feel like ego. Everyone's going out partying. Everyone's going on vacation. And you're like this. I got to keep doing what I'm doing because I've been called here to do something. Are you that clear? Are you that clear that you're ready to nail it? If not, it's time to get laser focused on that. So, so, so you, you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of high performing individuals mm-hmm. both work with them and and connect with them it, it, would you say that's the number one difference between those t- types of people and i don't want to say the rest of people because a lot of people live productive lives they're just not sure. either doing it for themselves or to their best strengths they're not playing to their strengths sure. in the way that's going to give them their most you know their most potential is it the clarity of determining what their strengths are that's the most essential? Or what, what would you say is the biggest trait or thing that stands out between the people who are just absolute killers and those who are kind of floating, right? They just yeah, well, that word productive, ugh, yeah. I don't like it <laughs> because it's like productive. Like, yeah, I could be productive doing a whole bunch of nothing. You know, am I fired up? Am I contributing? Am I putting my head in the pillow at the end of the day and knowing I made a freaking difference? If I can't do that, I'm no good, right? So like, particularly after I lost my son, okay? So he would have been, let's see, would have been 25 to 26 this year, okay? So I had to reframe. And you know how interesting that my sweet spot, the people I really like to coach is young men. Like, I freaking love it because I'm legit, like it's where I'm I'm serving at the highest level because I'm called to that because it satisfies me, but also because I jive, I understand that language. So I think that it's like from your challenges, from your biggest challenges. And let me tell you, some of the people that I've talked to, even in your entrepreneurial group has been through some struggles, a lot of, a lot of confidence issues based on, you know, weak relationships with their father, not having strong role models. That's a huge one. 
fragmented relationships with their mothers, not wanting to grow past the people that we're from. This is where the challenge is. And how do we show respect and deference for the people that birthed us potentially and still move on to our highest and best? That is the journey. And it's possible to do that with grace and respect. It absolutely is. I wish someone had taught it to me. You know, I, uh, one of the things that you just made me think about, I, um, we talk about imposter syndrome. I want to take a different route on this. I, uh, I remember when I left school and I was trying to build the, the division of the young entrepreneurs, I was 19 when I did this. Right. <laughs> and <clears throat> when I was 19, I, I, I remember, I knew that I was on a unique path as to where I was headed, but I remember, uh, specifically I would, there, there are others who were at near, not a, not a, not a level thing, but they're, they're achieving their, their best, you know, whatever it is, they're, they're doing really well. And their background, I would look at others' backgrounds who came from much less fortunate backgrounds than myself, unstable parents in the household. I mean, I, 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 look, I had stable parents. I would argue to say we're middle class because we suffered, you know, like anyone in these economic recessions that we've had. And my parents are business owners. There's no, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's fight every single day for your living. But, but that being said, we, we lived a comfortable lower to upper middle class kind of ranging on the years. Um, when I grew up, I never had to worry about food being on And the you table. were well loved, Aaron. So yeah. this is the thing that I need to make a really big statement about is that you were the lucky one. So it wasn't about the finances. Yeah, you saw your parents struggle 2008 when a lot of people did, but you were well loved. You are ahead, Aaron, of 90% of people that had two parents that you knew loved you and held you to your highest best. You're up in the game for that. I'm telling you, that's fundamental, fundamental so that's, so that's, to success. That's, that's part and, of and if you don't have it, you're going to have to fight for it, right? And, it, and, you know, I tell my kids that, listen, life is hard. And when you hook up in a relationship, try to find someone who is well-loved because you will have to work through that healing with that person if they weren't. And that's not to say it's not important. It absolutely is. Love is love, but it really makes a difference. And just pay attention, viewers and listeners. Did you have that profound love? Did someone believe in you, a coach, a mentor, or a parent? And who was that person? After you listen to this, get on the phone and call them or email them and thank them. Honor the people that lit you up because they may not even know that you made that much of a difference in their lives. Talk about, talk about growing up because that's, that's where I really, where I was going with this is like, you grew up one of nine children and you had an awful tragedy happen to your, um, your, your family younger with the, with the murder of your brother. I want you to take me back on that. Cause I can't even comprehend that. Um, but, but can you, can you give us a little, give us a little context of what, cause I, I think most listeners, most of our y younger audience, we, we don't have those anymore. We don't have households. Like my mom came from a family, five brothers and sisters, right? We don't have those anymore for, for almost a very, for a large percentage of the population. Can you give us some context on what your family life was like growing up and what that did to shape you into becoming the person you are today? Super good question. And I always use that as kind of like a point of reference. Like, listen, I'm one of nine kids, you know, 11 people in one house. Um, I'm number six and nine, youngest girl, three younger brothers. Um, it was crazy. So my parents were, um, believe it or not, my dad was like the Obama. Um, he was, a, um, they both were very Catholic, Midwest Catholics. So we were like um, early um, 
the civil rights people. So my parents were super interested and passionate about civil rights. So the basis, basis of the Catholic tenet is service. That was like branded into me, that you care for people that you uh, hold the door open for people, that you lift people up. That service heart was imprinted in me at a very young age. We were protesting like the grape pickers and you know things like that. But we were crazy family. We jammed to music. We would put jam music on and we would do chores. And we, you know, my, a bunch of my siblings are all deadheads. I was not, but they all were. So um, I always was a little bit different than the rest of the tribe for sure. Um, but, you know, my dad and my mom, particularly my dad, was driven by uh, a social passion. He really, he would treat the pe homeless people on the street, the street the same way he would treat anybody. He was an honorable man. He was also my fitness mentor. My dad was, you know, lived to be 91, fit. We had the exact same body. He always, even with nine kids, member of the Y for 65 years. Right? He legit was. He set the tone about self-care for me. You know, even as a woman, he um, he was my guy. But I'll, I'll just have to say that, like, in the chaos of that, my parents, our family was very nonviolent. We couldn't play with sticks growing up. Um, you know, it was just like, it was, um, unlike uh, most situations, there wasn't competition between us because it wasn't really allowed, Aaron, which was so interesting. It was like community over cooperation. You just, you acquiesced and get along. It wasn't the greatest way to teach leadership, but it was the way it went. So when my brother was murdered, um, so he was just 18 months younger than me, my brother Matthew, um, always ran a quick road. Um, he was, I protected him basically all those years. I was his cover. I was always like, don't look at that. I'm sure he's doing something naughty. Um, so when tragedy strikes like that, it does change the entire dynamic of a family and it really blew us apart. And unfortunately what happened is the healing didn't happen um, for my mom in particular. My dad was brokenhearted and it blew things up. So, you know, that's what I want to say to people that I had to do the healing of that loss when I lost my son, because it wasn't done in my family of origin. Um, so, you know, it's the pros and cons. My mom's um, sister had 12 kids. So my mom only had nine. <laughs> that's just the way they did it in the Midwest. But it was fun. It was crazy. But music was central. Couldn't watch TV much. We were pretty restricted on that. But literature, art. Um, creativity, all of that stuff was really, uh, was really fostered in the family for sure. Can you, can you take us behind what it was like just moment by moment, uh, in the murder of your brother? Can you take us into a little bit, do you mind yeah. going back there? Yeah, it's funny. Cause I just, I, I just found a poem about, I wrote about it. And I think that what was so interesting is my parents had just separated. Um, you know, their marriage was already fragmented. And I remember the morning because I heard the phone ring and, um, and I was in my bed and I went, oh mom, I mean, I jumped up to get the phone and my mom was just on the phone and I was like, mom, what is it? And she just mouths to me and she's like, it's Matthew. And I'm like, oh God, what do you do now, you know? And then she said, he's dead. And I, and she was on the phone still with the Connecticut State Police. And I was just like, oh my God, where's my dad? And my mom's like, just shocked. I said, are you okay? And I went to tell my dad before the police got there. And, um, you know, which is so messed up about it, Aaron, is because even at that age, I was 23, I was the bridge between my parents because they had no relationship. So I was there when my mother found out and I, was there, I had to be the one to tell my dad. You know, in this big family, six of nine, like that was my role was to be a bridge builder. Um, and to handle that position with grace and courage. And so, 
that's pretty much imprinted in me um, why I think I'm so skilled at helping people build a bridge to their essence and to who they are and to light people up and to be the healing. Um, Because there's nothing more important to me. And I think that that was a true test that how did I have the courage to be able to do that? I don't know. But it's just, you know, it was just what I did and what God put me in that role to be that bridge. I want you to take us back to, uh, if you don't mind, going from there, going from coming out of the family dynamic. You, you talked about this in our last podcast, so I don't want to, I don't want to dive into a ton of it. But the live discussion, you, you really talked about your background and going to school and what that did for you in surrounding you around these amazing people. For the oh first God, time. I was humbled. So listen, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, but I was the classic hot ADHD mess, right? I was just da da da, and like I like boys, and you know, everyone in my family were like serious drug and alcohol and it was just wasn't my thing I just like boys they were my drug of choice so um but I got shipped off to private high school performing arts high school and I was the only kid that my my mom was like nah she's out of here and so she didn't want me to go down the road of like my other siblings and um you know like I said I thought it was so everything and then I get to a school um where everyone's super talented and super smart and like I was like oh my gosh I was humbled beyond measure. And I had a choice. I had a choice of whether I was going to drop out and run home and, you know, and, and go back to the life that I had, or I was going to dig in and rise up. And I don't know how I did it, but I, I figured out that I wasn't, you know, I was, I didn't, I had low self-worth. I thought I was, you know, I had self-hatred, self-loathing. It was everything because it was imprinted me through my family. And, um, so I, I had to rise up and I found theater, you know, the arts, I found theater. It was the only thing I ever got A's in, Aaron. <laughs> and, um, and it got me a full scholarship to Bennington, which at the time was the most expensive school. But th- what I have to tell you is that I was always felt like a misfit. So I think that the ticket is, if you feel like a misfit, it's okay. Except to feel, except, expect to feel the odd man out in mm. life. If you want a game success, mm. expect it. Because you beat to a different drum. You're at a different frequency. So people are going to look at you weird. They are going to think you're too much. They are going to think you work too hard. They are going to, they are. People are going to judge you like crazy. They are. And get used to it. And remember, the calling is here. It's not your ego. Again, I have to keep saying that to you because people are going to try to cut you down. Who do you think you are? Ah, that's stuck in me for a long time, Aaron, that expression. Oh, I love this. And I want to, I want to ask, I had, um, so the, the owner of the entrepreneurs, the group that I worked with, um, his, his wife was, uh, our office controller and I didn't get a chance to work with her every time or on a day-to-day basis by any means, but at company events, I'd have the chance to, to, to catch up with her. And I remember she said, she said two things that really stuck with me. She said, you know, everyone's an actor. They're all acting in whatever way that they need to do, projecting in a way that they think that is going to help them get whatever the outcome that they want to get. Everyone's an actor. The second thing she said really stuck with me, and this is for the women who listen to our podcast. I want to ask you about this because she said, look, Aaron, it's a man's world. You have to acknowledge that this is a man's world. It's a man's opportunities. They're, they're all out there. It's a man's world. And I wanted to ask you about that, leaving school, getting into now your life and your private sector. I want to ask you, how did you 
turn that on its head and use that as an advantage. And I really want to get that not only for the women that are listening to this, but also the men. What can you do to turn what is technically a disadvantage, especially 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. probably less so now for certain things, but it's still, you look at the leaders of the world, it's a man's world. Where do you turn that as an advantage? What did you do specifically where did you, is it something you get over or what? I want I want you to take me back on that a little bit. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that I, I played male leads, even though I'm like five, 210, I went to an all girls high school for some reason, like I'm comfortable in male energy. So I'm like Nathan Detroit from guys and dolls. I'm like this, you know? So part of it is that I have five brothers. And the other part is I think is very important is that I'm an, I have athlete athletic mindset. So I've been a gym rat. So listen, at, when I was nine, 20, the first time I ever bench pressed, I was like, Oh, I like this, you know? And I remember I worked out in the gym. This was before women were squatting. You know, this is like legit. This is not, you know, they had the jiggly machines that you put your butt in. That was what women did at gyms. So I went to an all men, you know, way up in Somerville. It was like on the third floor. There was like people spitting all up the hall. There was a boxing ring over that way. And so I'd work out in there. And I was like the one girl there, you know, or a couple of them. And if I had to go to the bathroom, I'd be like, excuse me, can you watch the door? And the dudes would be like this, like sitting there, like honored that they're watching while you're peeing in the bathroom. Because there was a woman's bathroom right? But what I learned about the culture is that a lot of women are afraid of men or they're afraid for their experience in, in the men's world. And it's like, if anything ever happened to me in the gym, every single guy has his peripheral vision out. They'd be pounding that individual if anyone ever bothered me. So I learned a lot about how men work together in parallel experience. And I think that that's important for people to understand that Men don't miss anything, and they also, um, if you give them opportunity to talk and don't rush over them and allow them to have their emotional experience, you can learn so much if you give the grace of allowing men the opportunity to speak out. And I think that that's the part that we, I, you know, you could put me up in the woods three miles out, I'm not afraid. You could put me in inner city, I'm not afraid. It's like grew up in urban environments. So I'm not, you know, any race. I, do, I just don't function from fear. And I think I learned a lot of that through being a gym rat, like legit. I love that. You know, yeah. I want to ask you about your, your entrepreneurial endeavors. Do you mind giving us a little bit of a, almost like an overview on some of the things that you've been yeah. involved with, maybe some of the bigger bigger um, setbacks, but also some of your bigger breakthroughs. You want to just go through a little bit of your history of figuring crap out on your own because it seems like yeah. you're done. So I had, I owned a gym, like when my kids are little, I, put, I owned a gym called the fitness studio. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm getting burnt out, too much training time. And so, but what happened is I started doing a gold buying business. And I did that with, you know, 2008 happened, everyone lost their shirts. And one of my clients was a subprime mortgage lender. And so she lost everything and she started doing these gold parties. And I'm like, geez, you know, maybe something I can do. I'm Irish. Irish girls generally don't have gold. It's the Italian girls that know how to do it up right um and so i started that um and basically what happened is aaron i grew that into almost a 17 million dollar company i did that out of my house raising three children went through a divorce and a whole bunch of other things through that but i ran it as a boutique business and this is why i say it is so important to know your why i didn't know a hell of beans about gold never took a business class in my life but what did i know I knew that women historically were getting absolutely screwed when they sold their jewelry. 
I also knew that women felt extraordinarily judged when they went to a pawn store or someplace else to sell their jewelry. How easy it is for me. I come in, I love everybody. Tell me your story. So all my reps were trained to honor each individual person. So I coached hundreds of people and honored their stories because our jewelry is our story. And I built confidence and trust. And that was really the birth of my coaching experience. And um, so my passion was to help and honor people and to treat them with respect and give them money. There's nothing better than writing checks and giving money to people, particularly people who are going through great hardship. At that point in time, we had a lot of uh, uh, women that their children were addicted to drugs. They were losing their homes. They were in abusive relationships. This is what you hear when you really listen. And I, it, it, you know, to this day, it is my honor that I met so many different people from so many walks of life. And that's why I talk about really what it is you're passionate about. My passion isn't helping people to, um, you know, to reach prosperity, to live in abundance and scarcity. And again, prosperity isn't just about money. It's like, where's our scar scarcity mindset? Where's our scarcity heart set? Let's overcome that. Oh, I love that. Hey, can you put on the, and you've already had it on most of the interview. I want to see the, the coach Kate hat, if you don't mind, let's put that on. What, what, what is the most for somebody who, I was talking, this is, this is funny. I, um, I didn't plan on bringing this up right now, but my brother and I were speaking about this and, and um, he's been in real estate for seven, eight years. And I brought this up to him. I said, you know, Chris, you are so, you, you fit such a great dynamic for somebody who I, I, there's no way that 10 years from now, he's not helping coach people in real estate for high amounts of, of, of cash. He's going to get paid to do it. He's so uh, talented and, um, um, uh, persistent with what he does. And, um, he said, Oh my gosh, Kate told me the same thing. Cause he had a breakthrough call with you and he works with you. So I want to ask you what, what, what is coaching? How did you fall? Did you find yourself one time where you're like, wait a second, I'm actually pretty good at coaching. And I want to, what, what does it take? Why is somebody, why should somebody be a coach and why should someone not be a coach? Yeah. So coaching is about listening and being present. And so if you can't, if you don't really give a shit about people, don't even consider it because I fall in love with every single one of my clients. Literally like today, I just had a second call with one of my clients and she picks up the phone. I'm like, I love you so much. And she goes, I love you too. Like literally that's the kind of love I have with every single client. So, it, so being present and wanting the highest and best for that person is what it's all about. I, I hope people outgrow me. I remember um, I used to be so saddened by the fact that they don't need me anymore. You know, like literally I could sobbing, crying, like when people grew through me and now I'm like, amen. You know, I want to see people grow beyond me. Um, but truly as a coach, you have to care passionately about people. You have to be able to ask really powerful questions and most importantly, listen, not necessarily to their words, but what's not being said? What is their real truth? And where is their real suffering? And honoring and loving on those sweet little places. Love that. I love that. Have you, uh, who was your, oh, 
boy, I don't know if I can ask this. Who's your favorite ever coaching client? Was there any, 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 you don't have to name a name, but was there any kind of situation where you really just, you really felt like this is something you needed to do? Like you have to do coaching. It was there a- it's every single day. Like I remember one of someone that you and I both know said, okay, Kate, you've been on the phone 30 minutes with me. Well, you know, what do I need to work on? And they're like, you know, like, what? Well, give me criticism. I'm like, I'm like, baby, my job is to love you. And he was like, oh, you know, so he was like, you know, it was so weird for him to say, no, I am pouring love into you and we are going to come up with solutions. So we go to the source of where the suffering or where the, where this, you know, where the challenge is. And then, all right, let's create some action steps to make magic. Because I'm about the bottom line, right? There's nothing more exciting than making money. And Aaron, you and I talked about this, you know? I was like, all right, Aaron, where's your money line? You have so many skills. People love you. You people love you, Aaron. And how do we make money off of that? Because you have the secret sauce. It's just about, you know, where's the money line? And that's that. there are ways to create that. If you really want to be an entrepreneur, I don't recommend it for everybody. A lot of people don't have teeth for it, right. but if you really want entrepreneurship, um, you know, even if it's your job and you want to A-game your job, you know, who are your strategic partners that you're A-gaming your life with? You are the five people that you're hanging around with. You're spending your time hanging around with people that are sucking you dry. Mm. Knock it off. <laughs> I think you said that in our last call was you had to surround, it's a board of directors, right? And the people that you're yeah. with. Hey, can, can you take us backseat with your books? When did you get the idea of writing a book and publishing your first book, which I believe was Living Sexy Fit, and you're republishing it. Is that right? Yeah. So I've been writing a column for almost 10 years for my local paper, and it disciplined me enough to write a column every month. And it used to be mostly about fitness, and now I write about living anything, prosperity, money, grief, men's health, um, um, just a whole diverse topic of, of interest. But once I built my gold company and I was being asked to speak at more, more environments, People would come up to me and they'd be like, wow, it's really cool about what you're talking about prosperity, but like, how do you look like you do at 50? And I'm like, what? Like, you know, I don't identify with the fitness. I identify with how I feel. So I think that that's kind of people thinking that, oh, she's all that. She thinks she's all that because I'm fit. And I competed as a bikini competitor for 13 crazy ass years from the age of 43 to 55. Um, and so I realized that, yeah, they want to talk about prosperity and money and positive self-worth. But what they were most curious about was what I, what my system was for success on living sexy fit, living fit, what they saw to, thought to be it. And you know, the word sexy, it's not this fourth Victoria's secret. It's like, what makes you hot? I have a wicked cute story I have to share. I was on um, doing a ton of interviews right when I was launching that. I also had written a couple articles in Entrepreneur Magazine. So I was getting interviewed a bunch of times. And so I'm in with some the, one of the main DJs in LA. And he's like this older guy, you know, 50, 60, whatever. And he's like, Katie, I just want to know, you know, I'm 58, 25 pounds overweight. Can I be sexy fit? I'm like, baby, absolutely. He laughed with such joy because everyone wants to feel vital and alive. Everyone wants to feel like they have that inner hottie inside that's waiting to be reborn. Every person. So my world is all about lighting people up, lighting up that inner hottie, you know? What lights you up? 
and then journeying with you on that. And guess what? I'll never forget the story you tell me. I will scare you at what I remember about them. <laughs> and I am very safe, so never have to worry. I never, I'm like, my lips are sealed. People tell me everything. I have to tell another really quick story, but my girlfriend and I will go out and, and like she'll go to the bathroom or whatever. And when she comes back, like, I'm like, you know, someone's telling me like I was abused and this and that. Like, and she's like, Katie, no matter where you go, people tell you everything. And even my children too, they're like, mom, why does everyone talk to you? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, it's honor. It's an honor for me to be trusted by so many people. It really is truly. Honor. And I'm, I'm early on this journey with the podcast and, and all of this stuff. I, I want to ask you though, um, it, weird, this is really weird to me, but one out of 10 <laughs> listeners for the Get After podcast are international, which is, I, I, mean, I don't even understand, but that that's what they are. Um, you've been, you've had the opportunity to write for Entrepreneur Magazine and so, so amazing publications. Can you talk about a time maybe that somebody reached out to you from goodness, somewhere in the world or just, or maybe even just in the United States, somebody that reached out to you and just, uh, was there just a really interesting where, oh my gosh, I read this and implemented it and changed my life or any kind of that story where you had just something that's so strange, but you never thought would happen, but maybe it's like somebody replying to an article you wrote three years ago. Any, any of that that's come down in terms of significance you've made on someone's life from something you did years ago that's still having ramifications in someone's world? Well, you know, honestly, that happens to me almost every day <laughs> because like, um, like just people reach out to me, like literally my phone all day long, people reaching out or texting me, Kate, I did this or Kate, I did that. And, you know, sometimes it's just fitness related or sometimes it's like, how come I keep choosing abusive relationships? I hate myself. Like, and she, this is a 25 year old in Japan, you know, or like it's so, so my life is a continual coaching modicum of just deliciousness, right? So it could be the, you know, the 18 year old boy that wants to help figure out how to tell his parents he's wants to tease transgender. Um, so it, you know, or the 65 year old, you know, CEO that's dying in his job. You know, it, you know, it's like I, life is an adventure and um, every day I'm in awe of these conversations. Like literally it's all day long. I'm like, oh my God. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like if anyone saw I live my life, they'd be nuts. So that's why I'm automating. It's Automate Kate for 2020. Um, we have that webinar coming up. So thank you for sending me up with Tyler. So we are doing how to um, set yourself free from self-sabotage, how to live a life of more confidence. Um, is coming up on June 10. So yeah, so it's just like, I'm just trying to, that's the most important thing for me right now, Aaron, obviously, is to automate things a little bit more so I can keep my life somewhat organized. Relaunching Sexy right. Fit, relaunching my podcast, or launching my podcast, Survive to Thrive, and um, yeah, so actually, just having hey. fun. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I've had, I've had kind of a front row seat on that, but for our audience that yes. have what is this webinar? Why should someone who's listening to this check that out? And you want to talk about your podcast too, the Survive to Thrive podcast. Yeah, sure. So I started to Survive to Thrive because I love people. And just when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh my gosh, I know so many amazing people. And this is the truth right now to all you viewers and listeners. This is a reset for everybody. So everyone that was the expert at this and the expert of that, mm, guess what? It's pretty much a level playing field. <laughs> so this should excite you um, because um, these are opportunities galore that are opening up. And so I know a ton of people in my life um, on Survive to 
to thrive if you um, please subscribe. But if you see the people I'm interviewing is as diverse as my client base, every race, every religion, every age category, men, women, gay, straight, I want them all. I love them all. So I just started interviewing people who I really loved and enjoyed. Maybe they didn't have very much experience on Zoom. I want them to rise with me. So these are just really in inspiring people that I interviewed. And so that's why I did it, because this is the time for us all to rise together, together as superstars, us, um, the people that have not parked, that we're looking to get in fourth gear and have fun. Because, you know, despite life's challenges, it should be fun. My gosh, I laugh all day long. Despite the challenges, I still freaking laugh. And, um, and I, sometimes I laugh inappropriately, but I do laugh. Um, and then the webinar is just really to provide people with really delicious information about simple ways to, to silence that inner critic, the self-sabotaging voice that limits our success. And we all can apply these actionable steps. And I'm looking forward to share this information with all of you. Yeah, and, and that's something that, you know, I think it, it, I was a mutual friend of ours who's in the accelerator that we're in, Scott Groves out in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, we had, we're getting dinner after one of the events. And I said this guy, I made some kind of joke about how I was green in terms of my experience or whatever it was. Somebody, I won't forget what Scott told me. He said, Scott, or he said, Aaron, he said, what, what, you don't understand. What, what, what happened is you're going to wake up 20 years from now and realize that no one has all their crap together. And we don't know what they're doing. And what's, what's interesting, what you just said is um, all that you just talked about, I think a 21-year-old or 19-year-old coming out of school, didn't go to school, uncertain about what they're going to do with their life. What they don't understand is that that uncertainty and that self-questioning um, and what, you know, that doesn't go away. Right, Never. that's going to be with you when you're 47 and have two yeah. kids. And so, how are you going to use that, right, Aaron? I mean, that's the important thing. Is I just talked about that today. I I did this crazy. I biked and did hills, and then I biked again. I was like, but let me tell you, the trans, the, the, this is transparency at its finest. Before I went, I was pissed. I'm like, I don't want to freaking do that. Why do I sign up for things? Why do I, like inside? I'm like steaming, right? Because resistance is real. If you aren't resisting something, the dream is not big enough. I am literally, every time I compete for a show, I'm like, why did I sign up for this? <laughs> like, because it's an itch. It's something that's saying, mm -mm. guess what? Because you're at your edge of the comfort zone. It's not going to be comfortable. What do you want? I, you know, like the runway will not be set forth before you. Um, it's not going to be like that. But the beauty on the other side, I'm riding home and I'm like, hi, I'm life. I'm like, I am so proud of myself. I feel fantastic. I am peaceful in my soul. And I know I'm going to have this kick-ass interview with Aaron, right? So it set me up. Expect resistance, inner resistance, resistance from others. Stay clear. Listen in here. And you're going to do fantastic. I have uh, water next to me because we talked about before we did this, we're going to, we're going to go a little longer than our typical podcast interview. We both have water. We don't have the video up on this podcast, but we're both shaking our water glasses. Um, Kate, we're going to, we'll, we'll come back to some more of this stuff, but I actually, I want to move on to, I want to have a conversation with you about, um, we, we were talking about um, uh, gold and silver and some of this mm -hmm. stuff, some of this stuff we were having a conversation last week and you, you you run a gold company. I want to ask you, because I want to keep our audience in mind with 
young professionals, young entrepreneurs. Why should someone be concerned about the current economic climate? And I'm really making a big shift in the in the conversation, but I don't want to lose anybody as we move yeah. into this conversation because it's really important. However, it's not important on a day to day. It doesn't impact us right now. Oh, but it will. <laughs> it so will. I want so you listen, to. Yes, yeah. Go, yeah. Take it. Take it I on. have a strong opinion about that. And, and it's because I understand I, I am a freak about like, listen, I don't know how this fits in the realm of Kate, but like, I love business. I love studying business. I read the Wall Street Journal. I love it. And I love the gold business because it's so variable because number one, you had to stay tuned to worldwide economy. Hey, guess what? In June, gold goes up. Why? Because all the weddings in India, right? So this is just like a fun fact that I learned. So if you're learning about um, at all about investment, like, listen, we're printing a ton of money. On my podcast, I interviewed Dave Greenfield. You've got to go to Survive to Thrive to listen to this guy. He was the actual the manager of the refinery that I worked and processed all those gold through. Um, so, you know, be educated. I am almost can guarantee you that we're going to have a larger drop and be prepared. And that means be ready to serve with your skills and your talents because the world's going to need your unique perspective. You're all going to rise. If you're on this call right now, I don't have to worry about you because I know if you're listening to Aaron's podcast, you already have a fire in your belly. You know that you're here to serve for something. You may not know what it is. That's okay. But you know there's a burning in the belly. And if you're a little irritated by this conversation, I'm happy about that too. Because guess what? That means we're getting through to you. And I'm not going to give up on you. You reach out and do a breakthrough call with me. But, um, you know, just going back to the whole economic thing, there will be a, a, a drop. There, uh, our government's just printing money. It's artificial. Um, They're maintaining the price of gold right now. Gold is going to go through the roof. If you can buy, buy any gold right now, I'd highly recommend it. Um, I'm relaunching, opening up my corporation. So if anyone's interested in a gold buy business that I help you set up, I'd be happy to educate you on that. So you can reach out to me on that as well because i'm looking for reps which is it's a it's a freaking awesome business so um yeah so that's pretty much it but yeah stay tuned um number one thing invest in the companies that you um that you enjoy so look at their financials you know look at your credit card where are you spending your money those are the companies you want to invest in you can read their financials you can read their quarterly reports delve into those companies because the more you know about them, you want to invest in companies you know about. And I, I love Phil Town, Rule One Investor. Great guy. If you haven't heard of him, check him out. He's amazing. So, so can you put, um, just out of curiosity, can you, would you mind breaking down in the simplest terms that you can, what does it mean when the Fed increases their balance sheet? Because they've done it by like two two something trillion in the last like month, you know, like yeah. crazy, crazy figure. Can you simplify that? Why that? Cause I, and the reason I say this, it, it, we always joke and there's like internet will joke, whatever it is. It's like when someone says to buy gold, it's kind of like the funny person in the house, right? Exactly. It's like, oh my, what do you mean? Buy gold. Like that's just yeah. moving from there though. What does it mean 
when the Fed is increasing their balance sheet. What does that actually mean? When somebody hears that, what, what should they mean? Is it just that they're just firing up the printing press and printing dollar bills? Yeah, what pretty is it? much, right? So they're doing a good job if, if the job is to keep the economy here. Um, but we have, what, 38 million people out of work? Come on. That's insane. Okay, so how long is the printing press going to go before these people who are don't have work is not gonna, are not going to be able to pour, uh, uh, afford their seven hundred and sixty five dollar a month car payment because that's something like the average car payment, right? So we've our economy is based on seventy percent retail. <laughs> that means that means the more we buy, the better our economy is. What's happening right now? I'm not buying anything. I've broken my addiction to TJ Maxx and Marshalls. Good heavens, who would have ever thought, right? So we're spending money. We're spending less money um, in certain ways. And we're not going to go out and hit the restaurants the same way. You know, what are they saying? Like, it's something like 30 to 50% of all restaurants are going to close. They can't function on 25% output. It's not going to happen. So we are in for a rejiggering. Our world is going to change. Your generation will be challenged. God bless you all. Um, and I'm here to support you. But I would just say, be prepared for uh, peripheral vision. Keep your yeah. eyes wide open for opportunity. Because as things settle down, again, you will see opportunity. And the whole thing about like, buy gold now, right? We're not on the gold standard. But guess who's hoarding gold right now? Wealthy people. The lower middle class, we're hoarding toilet paper. Wealthy people are hoarding gold. They're mm. flying to other countries to get their gold bars. Okay. So, and I'm not saying, you know, oh, there's EFTs. There's ways you can invest in gold in different ways aside from just actually gold bar. But uh, just pay attention to what's happening to gold. At least tune into that and read the articles. Aaron, I'm going to send you one that just came out today about the artificial um, floating and how they're keeping gold at a certain level. It's yeah. interesting. It's super interesting. So, so I'd love that. And I, I have one more question. I want to jump off of this. So I, I just curious. So, okay, actually, I, I think that I had two questions. I'm going to lie. You just mentioned it. How does somebody get money into gold the easiest way? What are a couple different routes to do it? Because you've heard of gold stocks. We've heard of actually getting physical metal. Can you go over the different options and what are the pros and cons of each just out of curiosity? Because you're, you are the gold expert. If I, if I know a gold expert, it's yeah. you. Yeah, well, I'm just like, I just relaunched my corporation, so I'm just getting back into it. And there's a few different ways, and I'll include, um, because uh, Ray Dalio is, you know, and that's another name you guys got to tune into. Ray Dalio is incredible. So, you know, he's like, don't put, keep everything in cash, right? A lot of people are just putting everything in cash. There are other ways that you can make safer investments aside from just keeping everything in cash. So that's one thing, but he does talk about gold. Um, there are, you're like, exactly. You can buy gold bars. You can, you know, work with me and we melt gold jewelry and we turn them into bars. Um, there's the, yeah, the uh, different, um, uh, gold uh, investments like mining and, you know, things like that. But you want that a percentage of your uh, portfolio, right? Because you diversity is very, very important. But I would not be investing in index funds right now. I just would not be. So if you have any money in index funds, I would put that into cash or put that and do your research, really delve into your research on individual companies. But diversification is everything. Listen, I had, I put 50 bucks a month away for my kids when they were growing up. We had no money. I mean, my husband kept moving and whatever before my gold business. And then when they were in high school, 
they each got a car. It was granted it was only six grand in each one, but like I save a little bit every month, you guys, because it makes a difference. Be frugal, save a little bit every month. And you will be so surprised at what you can make manifest in that with some smart investment. So this is my final question on this. Yeah. I'm really curious just uh, to see how this will age. I want to get your honest opinion on this. So I have, um, not that we can pull this up on our, on our audio or in video, I'm looking at a, at a graph of essentially the assets of the, 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 the balance sheet for the Federal Reserve. It goes way up in 2008, 2009, right? There's a big spike. It kind of continues to increase. D, it basically steadies out 2015 to about 2017, starts going down in 2018, and then all of a sudden just, you know, explodes, right? Everything right. that's happened with COVID-19. My question on this, it can't, when, when it keeps going up, they're essentially just artificially, you know, when you print more money, money mm -hmm. is, you know, it's, you, you have a claim to an, a resource, and when you print more of it, you just all of a sudden have less of a claim to that resource, mm -hmm. right? Because there's more of it. Right. Where does this end? Because the well, way I look at this, and my question to you on this, just sorry, but my question no, to you go on for it. is uh, it, right now, I think the odds, and, and we all look at this as like, I think the reality is they have the ability to push this stuff off as long as possible until it really blows up. So I want to ask you about that. What is that blow up going to look like? Is it a currency crisis where the dollar just plunges in value. Yeah. Well, I think it is that. I think that there it is going to be a currency crisis and I wouldn't be surprised if American cash is not the standard. Canadian, Australia, you guys don't be surprised. You know that our dollar gets devalued. Inflation is real because that's the direct result of what happens when you keep printing money is it affects inflation. So your money isn't going to go as far. So like, you know, right now we can go to Canada or we can go to Europe and, you know, we have more buying power. That's going to go away. Um, and that's one thing. And the other thing is when you're comparing 2008, gosh, it's so different, right? 2008 was really more on based on real estate. Um, right now we have every industry, every industry, aside from technology, right? There's a lot of good technology right now. Um, you know, anyone who's interested in that and in, um, in your entrepreneurship, please keep digging in on ways that we can be more efficient. Efficiency is key right now. Security is going to be huge huge okay as we become more unstable as a culture so we look at it and we have all these different segments of a society i keep going oh my gosh that oh that one that one and i was clumped i don't know how i missed covid because <laughs> i was thinking is it going to be car industry i was looking at, at i kept i listen last year i took everything out and pretty much was cash because i sensed something i have good intuition i never ever i feel so ignorant that i didn't know that you know, that was, pandemic was a possibility. And, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about COVID, but I, I'm much more concerned with what's going to happen economically and politically and socially. I'm very concerned about people who have never suffered and seen suffering as they will. I mean, it's just by nature what's what going to happen. You can't just restart the company. Uh, excuse me, just restart mm -hmm. the, the country. You can't. It's not like, oh, switches on. You know what I mean? It's right. like, First gear, second gear. It's months and months and months and months to restart a company. And it'll, country. Be, and it'll be fascinating to follow because it's not like in today's world, we are so we talk about the polarization between the left and the right side of politics. But in reality, there are no left or right side of fiscal policy anymore. The fiscal policy is just we're going to keep spending until we, you know, until we can't. And I think the obvious answer is that we can't 
repaid the debts that we have. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. So they're going to have to figure something out. I want to move off of this real quickly. I really want to hit on uh, how dynamic your soft skills are. And what I mean by this is um, somebody who's younger, who hasn't been to as many networking events. And what I what we used to call was, uh, we used, I remember a speaker used to call the, I, I attended a uh, the, the best things I got out of university were actually the guests. So the, the, the business school at Michigan State uh, would bring in these different guest speakers. And it always cracked me up. They would put them in the biggest lecture halls on campus. They'd be at like 6 p.m. You know, everyone's out of class. And there'd be like 20 people that would show up. It was mm -hmm. hilarious. And, um, and you know Kevin Caldwell. You've met with Kevin. Uh, Kevin and I went to this one about the, uh, LinkedIn. And this guy was talking about, he called it the circle of death. Mm -hmm when you're at a job fair or, or some kind of a, a networking event and everyone's huddled around the one person and he was talking, he was going over strategies of how to actually stand, how do you get into the pocket with your business card of the people they actually are going to care about. So I want, I want to ask you this live events. What are some soft skills? What are some great things that you've put into practice over the years that have helped you introduce yourself to new people and build new relationships during that off time from the events where you're mingling, you're connecting with new people. Can you tell me a little bit about that for all of our listeners for really the soft skill side of this? How do you connect yes. with the human beings who are at events to connect? How do you take advantage of that? Oh my gosh. I talk to everybody and I'm not talking about the people that everyone to talk to. I talk to the, the waitresses and the servers, the janitors, pay attention to who the helpers are at the event. They are direct links. Be nice to everybody. Be in service all the time. If you're just hungry just to talk to one speaker, they're not you're even your point person. You're not even going to get the greatest value from that person in general. So it's basically when you when I'm an event, I'm like in the bad talking. I'm moving chairs with people. I help. I'm like, where can I help? I'm looking at the whole room. Where can I be of service? How can I help? Offer your service. That's the number one thing, because if you're kind and loving and supportive, people notice. They notice that everybody notices in the room who's the one that's pouring in and being of service. It just, it makes a difference. And that's really been my lucky ticket. It really has been. Because if you're in service and you're being nice and you're helping out, Number one, it's way more fun because you get to talk to all different kinds of people. And number two, you're going to make so many more connections with people. And guess what? People are going to remember you. They're going to remember you, that nice person that I saw being nice to everybody. Is relationships, are relationships really going to be, when we talk, we just talked about a dollar crisis and some of the things that are coming up, are relationships really the best currency or investment that you can make in your life? Is that, do you, do you see the relationships around you as the reason why you've been able to find opportunities that you wouldn't have seen or be able to partner with, other, not even so much partner, probably a lot of your clients originally started with just building a relationship with somebody. Is that fair to say that relationships are one of the more important things that you need to Yes, survive? it is. But it's also like, if you want to A game, you got to hire people. Like, listen, my budget line item for personal development, and professional development is massive. Why? no one can help me that's in my circle like if i want an a game why am i asking that person i gotta spend money to hire people i have an astrologer i have a coach i have a therapist if i need it right i have you know i have uh, an athletic trainer that's helping me right now with sprints don't don't lean on people around you thinking they're going to give you expert advice 
You're not going to get it from them. People don't want you to be big, Aaron. People in your immediate circle don't want you to change. I know that sounds terrible, but it's true. It's okay. They weren't given the gift. The gift was given to you. The gift was given to you. I think people, whoever's listening to this, needs to rewind 60 seconds and re-listen to that because that was freaking awesome. Um, Kate, what's your biggest uh, What's your biggest goal here for the rest of the year? You're relaunching a book. Um, yeah. Where obviously your, your coaching business is blowing up. Tell me about maybe some of your goals as everything has kind of changed in March and April because of COVID. What, what, are, what are your biggest uh, rocks you're trying to move here for the rest of 2020? Yeah. So, it, you know, it's so funny. I, I, um, I, I have never felt more creative, honestly. And so, and that's just because I've, un, I've unloaded a lot of different things in my life, real estate and, you know, and I just made some really clear decisions that I want to help more people and what that, what that means for me. That means I can't be a solopreneur anymore. It means I need to draw people in to support me and that I can add value to them as they can add value. I'm looking for collaboration as I develop um, a bigger brand. So I'm automating myself so that I can continue to have the non-structured time. I want 15, 28, and 100 meter. <laughs> Personally, I just wrote that this morning because I'm like, uh, I'm a little bit shy so I can compete at a national level in sprinting. That's like, I'm a friggin' nut, but that's one of my things. Um, and yeah, and I want to move West part-time in my life. And, um, I want to bang out as best as I can to help millions of people embrace self-love and self-confidence, particularly men, men need support, men need love, men need direction from, uh, people that are that committed to their emotional and mental and spiritual growth not just their financial and business. So I, I stand in in a huge way in that I space. I love that. Hey, so so you were born, I believe you're born in Chicago, right? You're from the Midwest right. originally? Yeah. Um, you spent most of the majority of your life in New England. And mm -hmm. I, I had the opportunity to work in New England for a couple of years. I lived out in Northampton's Western Massachusetts area. And now that I'm in San Diego, Again, another town where it's just amazing the connection that we can have to nature with with so many of the opportunities out here. Um, but Massachusetts is just like that. New England is really like that. And I miss the, um, I miss being able to wake up and I could be on a mountain in 20 minutes if I really wanted to. I could just go, you know, Mount Tom out west or whatever it would be. I, I know uh, Bennington, where you went to school, is in Vermont. So you spent a lot of time in New England. Do you mind sharing with us? I, I, this is, I, you know, at this point, the audience, I think they've made it through to this point. I'm just curious for Kate McKay, um, what do you do to unplug? Do you go and explore nature? Because there's just so much of it in New England. Yeah, what are your, I do. I'm a super nutty, crunchy nature girl. So listen, there's the 4,000 footers in New Hampshire. I friggin' nailed those. Like I go hiking by myself. I got no fear, no phobia. Listen, I connect out in nature. That's my thing. When I need to unplug, I just, I hit the outside. I just, you know, I, I just, and that's just what I do. It's, it's who I am as a person. It's what I instilled in my children too. Cause I'm just like a nature freak, you know, there's only so much and I have to move my body. I have to connect into the body. If I don't do that, I'm no good. Right. So I'll be fit to the day I die. And that's just a commitment that I've made. My dad, you know, at the end of his life this is a funny story, but like I go visit him and like, he was started to like, you know, get a little bit like not strong, but he'd get up like an old person, like bent over. I'm like, dad, 
fire your glutes. I'm like, squeeze your butt. And he's like, oh, okay, honey. You know, it was like precious because he still wanted to be in that celebration of his body. And he wanted me to say, all right, we're going to do glute bridges because he felt he knew he was losing that. So, you know, just bury me five feet under when I've lost that, you know, that vermin vigor of living passionately and celebrating that piece of myself that God gave me a strong, healthy body. So I'm yeah. <laughs> so, so, so what, what are, what are a couple spots in New England that people need to check out to experience New England in the fullest? What are some, maybe a couple mountains or a couple spots for me? It's like, I, I can already think of, uh, uh, oh, one of, uh, now I'm losing the name of it. Oh, there's, a there's so many up in, Wait, Mom, you were counting, um, did you do Monadnock? No, when but I've seen Mount Monadnock is in, by Keene. That's a great mountain, you know? It's, it's pretty well-traveled. Mount Major is one of my favorites. That's a good family mountain that's really close to Boston. So if you're in the New England area, Mount Major is my favorite. And again, like you said, like I'm literally North Shore. So I am like literally bike to the ocean today. It's basically where I was when I was doing my sprints. Yeah. And then I'm New Hampshire bound. I can go hit in the woods, you know? So it's the best of both worlds for limited season. Like today it was worth it. But, you know, it's not always awesome but um right now it's just pretty friggin' stellar so yeah if you need any tips reach out to me i'll be happy to provide and when you said you, you said you may want to potentially explore moving out west i want to ask you on that what's your bucket list what are a couple places i have one more question after this but real quick what are what's your bucket list for a couple things that you want to explore out of nature or any national parks that you really want to visit that you haven't had the chance to or anything? I, I want to hike through Colorado. I want to do a little bit more like, cause I like really like more remote stuff. Mm. So, and I like a little bit more of a challenge. So I don't mind hoofing it and doing some little more wild stuff. Um, mm. But I've done a lot, like I did the West coast. I, you know, I did a lot of hiking around, um, you know, Santa Barbara and North up in Napa area because i have a really dear friend up there and um yeah i skydive skydive right by you all by myself on my 50th birthday i was like on my way my girlfriend's like where are you going i'm like i'm going skydiving and she goes did you tell anybody i'm like no uh. like, okay, i'm telling you so i skydived um right on and looking out over the mexican border i'm like Woo! yeah so that was what i did for my 50th birthday i tend to like to do something fun for my birthday and i do it by myself i mean i don't really care so i i i've i've learned to learn to really love being um shell on my own not in a set relationship so i am appreciating the um, i think monogamy i'm not quite sure about it so <laughs> so i think it may be some fallacy that we're getting smoked on but um but you know explore relationships don't feel like you have to get hooked into one relationship because you don't you, you you learn who you are through relationships and that's something that else that's not taught so if you guys have relationship questions call me i'll you out. <laughs> so that's, so that's, that's my last question here for people who made it through this whole podcast, which I think was awesome. We had a wide ranging discussion on a few different things. Um, how do they get more Kate McKay? How can they uh, get a hold of you if they want to do a breakthrough call potentially? Uh, what, what, what's the best way to get a hold of you? And also tell us a little bit about what's coming up. You get this webinar, you're relaunching your book. Give us a little bit of a scoop. What's going on with you? How do we get a hold of you and what's new? Yeah, so I'll give you a link um, to both uh, Breakthrough Call, which would be awesome. Anyone's interested in that. I just have a few spots. So if you grab a spot, that would be great. I'll also be um, putting a link to the awesome, I'm super excited about the webinar, how to um, set yourself free from self-sabotage. That's a big deal, you guys. We get so limited by um, old wounds and to be able to come up with really tips and stuff. Hey, face up. 
that you're challenged. It's okay. Face up and bring someone in to help you that you can, you know, if you say it, shame goes away if you can name it. So don't be afraid to speak your truth because, man, there's a lot of power on the other side of that. Um, and then relaunching Living Sexy Fit and my uh, podcast, Survive to Thrive. So I'm playing a lot, as you can tell, because work and play are the same damn thing to me. Aaron, I know you understand that. <laughs> hey, last thing, actually, if somebody is interested in booking a, a breakthrough call, what, what makes, why, why should someone listen to it or not listen to it, excuse me, why should someone do a call with you? And by the way, why should they not? If there's a, if they're, if they're teetering on whether they should or not, why shouldn't they? What kind of, what are they expecting with the breakthrough? Well, I think that if someone's listening right now, they're either irritated or enthralled or curious about wanting to know more and having me see them. Because I think that's really what I draw in. People are like, wait a minute, I want Kate to see me. She's going to be able to see me. And I can see you. And, you know, I can spend a few minutes on the, on the phone and I will let you up and I will give you strategies in a very short period of time. I promise you that's a guarantee. Um, and that I, I just, I just do, Aaron. I think you're, you and your buds would attest to that, that I'm committed to you. I'm committed to your greatness. And don't forget, you have greatness within you. You truly do. And, um, it's your time to let it out and, uh, and shine. Love that. Great way to end this. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to have you back on here, maybe towards the end of the year. And we'll kind of keep going with this discussion. And this was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining our live group. I know that was an awesome call. If anybody just got through this interview and hasn't listened to that, you need to. It's the first live discussion call we put out there on the Get After podcast. So many things that she goes into, which is just, we didn't hit on this in, uh, in this one. So make sure you check that out. Again, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. And for everyone else, I hope you all get after it. I'll talk to you guys soon.